The Choose Love movement offers no-cost solutions that keep our kids safe, providing them with the skills and tools they need to flourish. Join us in our mission to create the world we want to live in, one that's connected and compassionate. Check us out at chooselovemovement.org. Together, we can choose love. Hey, everyone. My name is Scarlett Lewis. I'm the founder of the Choose Love Movement, and I have an incredibly special guest today. Her name is Keely Roberts. I met Keely a few months after the tragedy that forever changed the lives of her family members, as well as Highland Park, Illinois, and that entire community during their July 4th Independence Day parade in 2022, a gunman opened fire, killing seven people and injuring more than 40 or 50, depending on what uh, media outlet you read. Among the victims were Keely Roberts, Keely, who we're going to be speaking with today, and her twin sons, Cooper and Luke, both eight at the time. Cooper was hit in the back with a bullet that exited his chest, damaging his aorta, liver, esophagus, and spinal cord, paralyzing him from the waist down. His fraternal twin brother, Luke, was also wounded. Um, The gunman, Robert Cremo, was 22 years old, is 22 years old, and he's awaiting trial on 21 counts of first-degree murder, 48 counts of attempted murder, and 48 counts of aggravated battery with a firearm. His father, Robert Cremo, was also arrested on seven counts of felony reckless conduct for allegedly, and, and not allegedly anymore, helping his son procure a firearm owner's identification card when he knew his son was a danger to the public. He's uh, He actually recently pled guilty and he's now serving time in jail. Um, there's a, a lawsuit against the Cremos, Smith & Wesson, uh, uh, lots of other people to to bring accountability to these uh, atrocities that are happening uh, across our country. And far too often, um, Keeley has said in a recent article, we moved to Highland Park because it was safe. And then this happens. Um, she also went on to say, but by the grace and kindness of others, a lot of good has happened too, which is absolutely amazing. Keely, a former superintendent of schools, is here to join us today. Thank you so much for being here with us, Keely. Thank you for having me. This is this is exciting. I'm glad to be here. Glad to talk with you. Yeah, I'm so I'm so thrilled. Um we met and uh, you know, I just felt like I felt like I could help in some way. I, I didn't know how, um, but I wanted to. I wanted to give Cooper a little something because, of course, we've all read about him. All and, and your whole family. Uh, it's like you know today with uh, with the media and social media. It's like you know people go through other people's tragedies with them, and we feel connected. And I know so many people loved and supported and still support you all through your journey. Um, and, and I just felt the same way and I didn't know what I could offer. Sometimes it's just listening, uh, which I think I did mostly when we, you've done a lot of, (laughs) well, a lot of you, you have done the same, but you know, and, and, uh, 
and we need to be there for one another because, you know, as, as you uh, agreed with me uh, from the very beginning, we're responsible for what goes on in our communities. And amazingly, you know, you were telling me that you were superintendent of an area in Chicago and, uh, you know, which was, I don't know, your, your family thought maybe something would happen to you there. And, uh, and then just absolutely incredibly, it happened in this beautiful town of Highland Park, Illinois. If no one has ever been, it's, it's a really nice area. And uh, I actually visited the, the uh, stretch of road right there in the middle of a, of a, of a town where people go to shop and have coffee. Um, just right there sitting in chairs alongside a, a parade route watching an Independence Day parade. It's uh, unthinkable, unimaginable. And 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 what amazed me about you, Keely, is that, you know, you were a superintendent. And as a superintendent, um, you know, you you had just incredibly strong ideas from the very beginning of of what needed to be done to move forward. Can you tell us a little bit, like I, I have sure. shared the story sure. kind of setting you up, but could you sure. share a little bit of it with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So if I kind of rewind time a little bit and go back to, back to July of 2022, I was well into my career as a public educator, but at that time I was a school superintendent and the community that I was a school superintendent in is an urban community. It's a community that is fabulous. I want to front load with fabulous and wonderful, but a community that struggles with issues of crime. And I think that there've been so many lessons that we've taken from this, but I think one of the lessons is that what we're facing in this country with, with issues of violence and mental health and it, no, no, no community is immune to that. And certainly in our case, the shooter was a homegrown Highland Park, you know, community member. But mm-hmm. um, on that day, it was beautiful. And I remember that a lot. Like, that really stands out to me. I think I even mentioned that to you when I first met you, that one of the memories I have that are that's so strong about that day is how beautiful of a day it was. I mean, picture perfect, beautiful 4th of July day. Um, Luke and Cooper had just a week earlier turned eight. So they were, you know, the, the teacher in me thinks of the vast amount of growing that happens with little ones that are beginning eight to end of eight. That's such a, such a pivotal year. And so they were, they were babies. They are babies still. Um, And in that morning, the plan had been that we would set up, we have six children, Luke and Cooper, the youngest, they have four older sisters. And like many families, 4th of July, the time for everyone to come together. And that had been the plan we had intended for more than just my husband, myself, the boys to be there. Some of the girls were supposed to be there also, but uh, like strange, fateful things sort of happened that um, came into play and the girls were not there or not there yet at that point. Uh, We walked to the parade. I live close enough that I can walk to that location and I have such a strong memory of this walk and holding their hands and laughing and joking and the excitement that little tiny ones have about going into a parade. And, you know, I hadn't, Never could I have imagined that would be the last time Cooper would have walked was when we held hands and walked to that parade. And it was absolutely, I think it's obvious that it's transformational, right? I mean, obviously you can't live through a mass shooting and not experience transformational change, I don't think. But 
I'm so positive or negative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we made a a really clear decision Um, and it is an intentional decision. I talk about that also that you have to force yourself to make that choice because to get pulled into the dark is so easy to ask the questions of like, what are the odds and why me? And, but why not? Like, why not? Why is this happening? That's a better question. Not why us? Why I wouldn't, why not us, right? If this is going to happen, there's nothing about my family that makes us immune to the American experience in any way. So unfortunately, um, this absolutely horrific thing happened and it is something that we're trying very much to learn from and to grow from and to lean into the good that has come out of it. And I know that sounds very strange, but there have, there has been good, there has been learning and there's been growth and there's been, there's been grief and anger and there's all of those, those things as well. But I I truly can say that it's not fake it till you make it language. I mean, I, I can truly tell you that I think that we have had a tremendous amount of good that has come from this terrible thing and trying to let this be an experience where you teach your children that what one awful person does, what, what, what bad things happen in the world, they do not outweigh the good things. And that's how we've tried to focus on this moving forward. You know, that's what we teach in Choose Love. And right now, everyone listening is getting the gift of vicarious post-traumatic growth through you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, and it's not glossing over any of the horrendous stuff. I mean, to hear um, you describe that day and sitting in the chairs and then your, your husband, absolutely, uh, you guys were sitting together and then you had a twin on either side of you and your husband um, first said, somebody's shooting off fireworks. Yeah. And it's, it, it very much sounded like that, I think, at first, you know, and I think probably also because you're expecting it, right? It's 4th of July. So you associate fireworks with the 4th of July. And as we sat there, the, you know, the parade had been going for a little while. And um, there was this slowdown of time that happens where things, it's true, right? You really do experience like a slow, but it feels like a slowdown of time. And mm-hmm. the boys were doing what what you would expect little ones to do. They're standing, right? They're going to stand up at the parade, kind of at the edge, waiting to try to catch candy and um, because we had some empty chairs because the girls hadn't all made it there yet, or things had changed that morning after the chairs were set up, we had some other people that were able to kind of push up and sit next to us a little closer. And what, what ends up happening is this very, dis- I have this very distinct memory of, of a loud, what we've come to know to be the gunshot, but a very loud sound. And I think many people who were at the parade talk about thinking those original sounds had to be firecrackers. Mm-hmm. And I remember my husband turning to me and saying, like, who who's throwing fireworks and simultaneously to that i don't know why i knew that i was shot um and i knew that's what that was but i remember saying to him i you know i've been hit i've been shot and at that point i think there's a lot of ma- i mean there's definitely mass chaos that's happening right people are trying to flee the scene and beh- behind us where we were sitting there's a bit of a kind of like an open area um in the downtown and people are just up and running as fast, I mean, they're literally running for their lives. And there's this very distinct um, kind of school experience that comes in, right? Where we've taught children now to try to run and to flee or to, you know, and having this 
in real time conversation with Jason around what do we do with the boys? It, there was the, the gun. There was so so much ammunition being shot that it felt very much at first like we thought. I, th- I thought there had to be multiple people shooting because I couldn't envision there being this this much from one person. And I remember Jason and I in real time having this conversation about what do we do with the boys? They're they're in absolute shock. There's graphic scenes of war now around them, and I'm bleeding profusely everywhere and this conversation around do you do you run but no one knows where the shooting's coming from at that point or jason thinking maybe the best thing to do is to lay on top of the boys and then we'll die but maybe they would somehow survive we could we could shield them that way mm-hmm. and um i very much remember saying and the sound is so loud like there's such a loudness to it it's like through this through that that experience there are things that will stay with me that i i pray is the only time i will have experienced these little things but one is that sound the loud sounds of the shooting of the scene and the people and the screaming um so trying i remember trying to yell to the boys to run and don't look back like mommy will find you like don't stop i'm gonna count just keep running and by the time i counted down um, Cooper at that point had been shot and I, I know I've shared this with you but I was absolutely certain at that moment that he was dead when I saw him I think I don't think I know I know that Luke and Jason felt the same and there's there was no doubt in my mind at that point and um it's just still a little surreal even even a year and a half later right it's hard to imagine that this could all really happen but how beautiful that day was and then how in a moment it flips to just absolute horror. And I can remember the primal screams of Luke. They were absolutely primal. They weren't like anything. All of us who have children know what what your child sounds like when they're young and they fall and they get hurt. This was different. This was an absolute primal scream. And that will, I, I will carry that forever for sure. Well, he's standing there, his mom, is bleeding from the leg and foot and it's all over his little brother's been hit and he knows that and it's just it is it is a scene of war it is Uh, absolutely it is i I think of any any type of military war movie we've seen yes very much so very much so so then uh he you know and and he would have died if if absolutely have you know uh been able to get him to a hospital quickly and have incredible care that you received he uh there was a i I read um that there was a moment you all weren't treated together there was a moment you were in the same hospital but he had to be airlifted to a different hospital and they literally rolled the bed by you and they said we can't even stop so you can give you can say something as we roll the bed by but he's gotta he's gotta go he needs care and so yeah and i think i think from that moment yeah that that moment of after after the shooting took place in hindsight now i can i can see much clearer maybe it's hindsight maybe it's time i I don't know um but that's where I, i feel like kind of the light and the dark start to happen, right? Because even in that moment where it's so horrible, it was quite a while until they had found the shooter. 
So you have this like active scene, but instantly unbelievable acts of kindness and humanity and decency start to happen. People who make the decision to leave their own families to come help families like mine. Um, the strength that in the wherewithal that I am definitely the more emotional of the two of us out of Jason and I and Jason's ability to stay unbelievably calm in that moment when his whole family around him is, is hurt or dying and to have the wherewithal to remain absolutely sharp and calm and to make this decision about how it is that I'm going to get my son who, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll forever see him in my head, carrying him like limp um, to make this decision to do whatever it took to try to get Cooper the best chance to live when you have, I mean, it's a parade, right? So think about the logistics of no community parades, your emergency services people are there. So on, on one hand, that's great. On the other hand, no one's expecting this, right? You're not, they're not kind of in a normal ready, set, go, the alarm's gone off kind of to go to a scene. So what Jason had to do with the help of complete strangers who risked their own life to help people like mine, you start to instantly see that it was dark for sure when this happened, but instantly the light comes back and this, these great acts happen. The, you know, Cooper gets to the hospital and it's, we're, we're still very close with the team um, who treated him in the emergency room and absolutely saved his life. I mean, I credit Cooper a lot with like, listen, little man, you don't know how hard you fought yourself for you, but what this team did, I mean, for Cooper to survive injuries that are just not survivable and to watch people who all in and of themselves have these really unique stories about how it is that they got to the hospital and what they were supposed to be doing on 4th of July. And instead here they are, how they all converged at Cooper at the right time and what they did to just make this kind of united commitment that this little boy is not going to die on our watch. This isn't going to happen and we'll do whatever we have to do to save him. And they did. I mean, it was, I mean, it's nothing short of a miracle, nothing short of a miracle, but when the time came that he was stabilized, Cooper was stabilized enough to be able to be medvaced out to a children's hospital. Yeah. We, we had talked about this, right? We were told they can't even slow down. It's it's, he may not live through the flight, but you'll, you're going to get literally a moment to, to see him and say whatever you need to say. And I think his parents, we don't often, like you don't often think about what would you say? Like, what would you say if you only had a fleeting moment and in the midst of this hospital, that was, as you can imagine, also just a war zone, right? Doctors from all over and nurses and medical staff are just showing up plain closed. Like they heard what happened. People are converging to help, but it's packed as you can imagine. And you could hear a pin drop. You could hear a pin drop. Like everything just stopped and went silent as this team rushed him out. And um, the, the, the UK and helicopter team that, took Cooper, had a chance to talk with us before they transported him. And to this day, like one of the greatest gifts anyone has ever given me is that team in that moment, having the ability to know exactly what I needed as a mom, not as a gunshot victim, not as someone who has just survived one of the worst mass shootings in the country, but as a mom whose son is very, very, very hurt. Um, they just, they came into the room and said to Jason and I, listen, like we, we're really good at what we do, but what you need to know is that we will love him like he is ours on that flight. Since neither one, neither Jason or I could be on the helicopter. And in that moment, it was probably the start for me of recognizing that the healing that needs to happen here 
um, isn't going to happen through just technical masterpieces of professional outcomes, which the hospital, the surgical team performed, and the UK and the, the the flight team was masterful, and Cooper arrived in a PICU that was masterful, but that isn't all of the story. I think the greatest part of the story is that we came across human beings that just were extraordinary at giving care and humanity and love and support. And what that did in that moment mattered just as much as a mom who wasn't sure her son would survive that flight, being able to be on there with him, mm. but to have somebody else just say, we're going to love him like he's ours. So if, if these are his last moments, he will be loved. Mm. And uh, there, I mean, what, what greater gifts could, could they have given us? So yeah, beautiful it, 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 and unthinkable. And you also told him to fight as as he yes. was wheeled by, fight as yes. hard as he can. Yes, yes. I remember they wheeled me up and Jason up next to him, and I can see Cooper kind of turning this corner on the gurney. And I remember, of course, you bend down and you you know telling him how much I love him. Mm. And I remember them starting to you know, continuing to speed up a little bit. And I remember yelling to him to fight, like, Cooper, just fight. Fight as hard as you can. Fight. And he did. He and he did. did. He did. And he's still fighting. <laughs> he, he, is, he is a tough little cookie. He is um, He is a fighter. He is a fighter in the most delicious, wonderful, amazing way that everyone should be a fighter. He fights with his whole soul, his whole heart, and he is as loving and kind and generous and filled with joy. It, it's the, it's always been the juxtaposition of that since this day. It's been the juxtaposition of joy and gratitude and an awareness of this, the world being a great place. Like, Hey, don't, don't blame everything you see on TV. The world's a really great place. And people are great if you let them, like if you can open yourself up to trusting them, most people will do the right thing and they want to help. And we are all so much more alike than we are different. Mixed with, right, that reality, right? I don't sugar, I try not to sugarcoat it, that this is really hard. And there's days where it's re days and sometimes moments and sometimes it's literally just one foot in front of your other because you're so sad. I mean, there's days I'm so sad. And as a parent, it's really counterintuitive to, to not be able to help your child. I mean, it's, right, it's holiday season, right? What does Cooper want? He wants to walk. I can't give that to him. What does his brother want? His brother wants him to go in the backyard and play soccer again and walk. I can't give that to them. I, I can't stop what happened. And I think the difference between as a parent, really, this has forced me to really lean into being responsible for another human being. And again, as a mom of six, that sounds crazy. As a school superintendent, as a teacher, you know, my whole life I've been responsible for children, I suppose. But really understanding, like really understanding I'm responsible for this person's life and dealing with the shame and the guilt you feel of, I didn't keep you safe. Even though, of course, I intellectually understand I'm not accountable for what happened. I didn't do that. I didn't land on top of a roof and try to kill my family. I didn't kill my neighbors. I didn't scar my community. But I'm part of something. 
I'm part of a family. I'm a mom. I'm a community member. I'm a neighbor. I'm responsible for how my life impacts others. And in the school world, we have the saying, and people have heard it all the time, that we always talk about the expression, right? It takes a village to raise a child. And that has been, it has taken on a new meaning for me to really understand what does it mean to be a villager? What is really my obligation? And to recognize that there are other people who saved my child's life and what others do that have led up to that shooting or post-shooting or in the schools, right? I mean, I'm, I'm public educated by nature, by, by profession. And it's been a really beautiful experience to recognize in a new way the love and care that happens for children in schools and how fragile and important that experience is and how important it is to support it um, and to make all of us as villagers accountable for our human connection to one another. That's been such a focus for me moving forward is the humanity aspect of this. I can't change what happened. I can't ask why, but I can ask now what? Now what do we do? What do we do from here? Now what? And I think for my family, the power of people and our impact has been huge. Because, you know, if you look at it, I mean, Cooper, you know, an a, a little athlete who loved sports and now has to, uh, you know, not, not play, play um, with other kids in wheelchairs, but there's not a great option for his love of soccer. And I know my boys love soccer and yeah. uh, all of a sudden his world has just changed and he's, you know, has to do the best that he can with the love and support of his family, but just life forever changed. And I, I love when you talk about what does it mean to be a villager? Because I felt the same way that you did as far as, you know, we're responsible for the safety, health, and well-being of our children. And yes. I knew that. I knew it, but I didn't, I, I wasn't thinking that that meant at school too, because, you know, I sent my child to school and then I went to work. And, but actually I realized after Jesse's murder in his classroom, I was responsible for his safety there as well. And I, I you know, that is something that victims parents have to live with too people don't understand they would say to me my gosh oh you he had to be there by law you're not responsible at all but you are right, it's not your fault right you're right it's not the your difference fault between fault and responsibility there's that it's it's so key and i think too about to your to your point right of how cooper's life is so different now and this weight you feel at to make sure that the, the mantra that they just, you know, when you're in the hospital, when this is about the first weeks and months after this happens, you are just trying to keep your head above water. And it's the people you come in contact with in those early weeks and months are so critical because you're going to hold on to what they tell you like a life raft. It, it's it, You're going to hold on for dear life. And knowing that Cooper was this super sporty kid, I mean, he, his self, at that age, they're starting to come to their own self-identity. They're starting to understand that who they are. And he, he saw himself as an athlete and to have this thing that he loved 
taken from him was just extra cruel. And the the words that we were being told around, he's going to learn to do everything he did before. He's just going to learn how to do them differently. I feel like I've come through stages of grief with that saying because um, I held on to it. I, I, I spewed it back. I just spit it, spit it right back out to Cooper. Like, we're going to figure this out and you're going to learn how to do all the things you want to do before. And then you kind of come a little bit far, at least I have come a little bit farther down the road and realized that I've, I felt a lot of anger around that. Like, no, it's, he's not, it's not going to be that way. We, he can't, we can't, the, the family that went to the parade that day is gone. All of us, we're, we're, we aren't those people anymore. And it's not about just learning how to do the same things differently. So I had a, a period of time where I think I was really angry that I, that I had heard that and that I passed it along to everyone. And I think I'm coming around the bend a little bit on recognizing like letter of the law, spirit of the law, right? Like the intent around that saying to help us recognize that our our life will be what we, what we can make of it. And that too is a lot of responsibility, right? Cause I have days where I feel like, well, I worked really hard to have the life that, I wanted for my family and I don't it why why again the why questions get you right because it's like why do we have to do this and why does he have to do this but if you can at least for me if I can force myself to stop asking the why questions I get back to a better place of okay now what because it is what it is mm -hmm. um and I have to we have to all of us have to move forward and it's true Cooper isn't playing soccer anymore but he is very much still an athlete. He's learning to engage in sports in a new way. And he's, I think he's really taking to heart this life lesson of this evil may have taken, it has taken so much from you. And him and I talk about this. We all talk about this as a family. It has taken so much. It's taken his ability to walk. It is, it has riddled everyone's sense of safety and security. And at times, happiness and it is just if you can just picture like a little glass statue just shattered i mean it's just the, the pieces are infinite they, they can't you can't glue them back together i think his parents um moms tend to be great fixers we'll, we'll, we'll take what's broken we'll glue it back together we'll make it all okay and and there is no way to do that in this situation but what we tell cooper a lot is he doesn't get to take your joy he can take he doesn't get to take you he can take your ability to walk. He can take our house. He can take my career. He can take everything. But he doesn't get to take us. He doesn't get to take joy from you. He doesn't get to take happiness from you. You control that. And as you know, part of the like mass shooting experience and just gun violence experience, any trauma experience, any trauma experience is a loss of power and control. You feel like you have lost that in your life. And for Cooper and Luke to feel a sense of agency again, an ability to say, yes, there are some, some things that I can't control. And they probably in many ways were the things I couldn't control before. I, I can't control everything, right? It's can't control, you know, what's gonna happen in the other car across the intersection. Are they gonna stay on their side of the lane? Are they gonna cross? I mean, we have these conversations all the time now. What do you do? What's safe? What's not safe? But we do get to control our choices and we get to control where we go from here and we get to hold on to our happiness. He doesn't get to take that too. Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot about 
taking back the pieces that were taken, or we talk about remembering that we control our joy. We control that. Mm-hmm. And that's been helpful. Absolutely. Um, it reminds me of the quote by Viktor Frankl, who was the Holocaust survivor, who said um, something like so many things, almost everything can be taken from a man except for his attitude. Yep. That, that, you know, his his thoughtful response, his choices in, uh, in how he thoughtfully responds. You can't always choose what happens to you, which is what we talk about in the Choose Love movement, but we can take our personal power back and how we choose to thoughtfully respond. And I know for me, I did not want to be a victim for the rest of my life. And, and I didn't want JT to be a victim. And I too thought about how I wanted to get back to joy and, and wonder and awe and how those things were possible, but it would be in my choices that I would be able to get there. And that's just such an important lesson and so incredible that you're leading your family with that understanding. And you had that understanding before as, as a superintendent and how you led your school as well. Well, I hope so. I do think so. I mean, I think that one of the things that's been a common thread kind of you talk, we talk a lot about like our, our before and our after, because it's such a defining moment in our lives, right? What, 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 what was the before life? And now what's this afterlife that we're building? Mm-hmm. But I certainly believe that this understanding that what we do and what we say and how we engage with people matter I, I understand that in a different maybe deeper different way now but understanding that the importance of kindness and the importance of respectful interactions and it doesn't please we are we are not perfect i'm not i mean please we're like the most normal average group of humans you can imagine right like there are plenty of things that we struggle with but I think we hold as a value, I don't think I know, I know we hold as a value, the fact that this family loves each other, that it's important to love those around us, and that no matter what, like always we would tell our, oh, we've always told our kids, no matter what you want to be when you grow up, just, just be good, be kind. You know, the conversations around, you know, what's, what do you want? What do we tell them we want them to do when they grow up? What do we really want for our children? We want them to be happy and we want them to be truly good people, like value adds to their community and people who love other people and take care of each other. And that that hasn't changed. I mean, I, at all. I think we just appreciate now the importance of that in a different way right it's a very humbling set of circumstances when you are at in so many ways at the mercy almost of others around you and i think that what is different about how we parent and how we think about our family is i think we in the before i took that sense of you know we're the parents where we are responsible to meet all of the needs of our children. Like we are this self-contained unit and you can be minimally open to the outside, but this is where all of your needs are met. We're the wolf pack, right? We will like mama bearish to the nth degree around 
I've got this and they're my responsibility, right? So that sense of responsibility was there, but in a different understanding of responsibility, mm-hmm. thinking that Jason and I could do everything we ever had to do to take care of everything our children ever needed. And they were going to learn that the most important place to go for anything is right back here. because the mm-hmm. And understanding now that we still want them to feel like this is a group that will always have your back and support you. And, you know, you always can come home and you can always look for love and support here. But I didn't do a good enough job as a mother of showing my children that it's okay to be open to being part of the connective tissue of a community, to trust those around you. And I wasn't comfortable as a mother being able to ask for help if I needed something or to say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to send you to Scarlett because Scarlett can do that better than I can do. She can be a better resource for you instead of realizing that, that, that makes me empowered as a mother. I'm helping my children to feed, to lean into their community and to be, to give and to take and to be part of something bigger. It, it felt lesser than to me. Like, well, of course, I'm not going to send you to Scarlet for something you need because I'm your mother. And if you need it, you can come to, I will do it. I'll work harder. I'll find it. I'll dig deeper. I'll do whatever it takes. But I'm in that it isn't that the community has necessarily changed or that the world has necessarily changed. It's that I've said to my children, I owe you an apology because I didn't, I didn't do right by not letting you see that you're part of something bigger than just our family that there's others who will love and help you and support you if you can be open to that. And in turn, we try to love and support others too, because it's this, it's the mutual understanding of how healthy communities, villages, right? Thrive is you give and you take and it ebbs and it flows. But at the end of the day, I'm not the only mom and dad and your siblings are not the only ones that have unconditional love and support for you. If you can open up to and trust that others will too, your life will be enriched by that and you will feel safer. You'll feel more rooted. You'll feel happier. You'll have more joy. You'll find more experiences. Your life will be enriched by that. And I think the obstacle to that type of mindset before was me. I was the obstacle to it. I felt like it was my job to tick every box. And that's that was a me issue, not a them issue. You know, what's interesting, Keely, is that after your the experience that you had, you would think that you would be thinking the exact opposite of that, locking down, not, you know, being being even more of a mama bear and protective. And yet after your experience, you're talking about what it means to be a villager and how you actually apologize to your kids for not being more open to the involvement of others and trusting and and you know looking to others which is kind of an anathema to to what you would think in your experience and i'm saying that because i'm sure that there are some people thinking that out that are listening to this but i had the exact same response which was, uh, and I felt the same way. It was just the boys and I, and now I realize, wow, it's, it's so far beyond that. We are all responsible. We're in this huge 
global village. And then we have smaller villages and we are responsible in those villages for each other. And you talked about this, this connective tissue. We're all a part of that. And uh, I think that um, that's an incredible message that you came to and that I came to afterwards. And it's not necessarily what you would think that we would land on is, is, uh, right. is this feeling of um, responsibility. And I, and I think that uh, it's, it's such an important thing to cultivate, um, you know, and, and after, after Sandy Hook, there were incredible helpers as well, uh, people that stepped up way beyond uh, what, what you ever thought was humanly possible in, in every single way. Um, but I still think that there's a lot of uh, a, a lack of maybe courage of taking that responsibility um, and stepping up for each other. Um, and and I mean, the, the, the ultimate thing is, you know, you talk about the importance of kindness and loving and supporting one another. And if one of us falls off the grid and doesn't receive that, well, that is a danger to all of us. So it's really in our best interest yes. to do this. And we need yes. to do this because we're going down the wrong path right now. Yes, I am the first one to say that I am, I, I'm not in a place of, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in a place of levels of forgiveness. I'm not there. What I'm, what I am, where I am is at a place where I can recognize very clearly that hurt people hurt people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that it's so important to recognize that if we don't address that, um, that's, that's for me at least, that's the root cause of so many of our societal problems. And I think about the beautiful experience we had transitioning Cooper back to school. And it wasn't without bumps in the road. It wasn't picture perfect all the time, but I'm so incredibly proud of his school community and the willingness to figure this out together and to lead with a strong belief that he's loved. That's another, that's another village for him, right? It's part of our bigger village. And to, it is counterintuitive as a mother whose child has been so hurt to now like air quotes here, kind of turn him back over to the school where I don't have control again. He's there, he's gone. I don't know what's going to happen. He's learning how to use the wheelchair. The, you know, what about on the playground? And what if, you know, he's, and I think about, the ability to say to the, our not ability, our, our desire to say to the staff, like, you've got this. Like, I, I can only imagine how hard this has been for them. Um, I, you know, I, I know firsthand how much teachers love their children. And Cooper's life, Luke's life was in their hands all along during the day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Before the shooting, they, mm -hmm. the idea that do I make this move to transition Cooper back to school and 
want to become really litigious about, I want him to have this and that, and I need you to do this, you know, this at this time and that at that time, and it needs to be exactly this way. And too, I mean, here's this little boy who was rambunctious and running around and jumping on the playground and, you know, and it's different. He's physically different. He's emotionally impacted by this. Let's figure this out together. Let's figure out what he needs in the classroom physically. Let's figure out the playground. And it's that trust of, I'm just going to lean into the, I know you want what's best for him. And we'll figure that out as we go. It's not going to be perfect on the front end. I don't, I don't know if I'm making all the right choices. I, I know they don't know if they're making all the right choices, but I know that together he's surrounded by people who love and care about him and will, will try to do the right thing by him always. And that to me is so much more powerful than trying to kind of come in strong, hard and fast with, he needs this, he needs this, he needs this, he needs this. And to kind of unwrap it and remember that, man, schools try so hard to be good for kids. They really, really do. And the approach to how we're going to figure out what's best for him and to remember that he wasn't the only one at the parade that day. His brother was there. All of his friends were there. Everyone, these little babies are all so impacted. And the amount of healing, I hope and I think that can happen from Cooper is now a physically disabled person. And that changes how so many of us think about physically disabled people. His, his friends have been able to experience that in a different way. And to see that Cooper is still Cooper. And you know, when you put kids in a room together, they will do extraordinary things. They'll talk about things without adults trying to filter it for them and they'll work it out. And the, I say all the time, I wish the entire world had the view out my van window every morning when Jason and I take the boys to school and you see Luke kind of help Cooper down the ramp. And then you see them engage with all of their friends. And it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful. And Cooper has very much been able to see that his friends still see him. They still see Cooper and he can still be Cooper. He's just figuring out how that's going to be a little different now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody's on a learning trajectory. That's for sure. And, and uh, so, I mean, what is next for you? I know, I know when we had that conversation early on and we've had subsequent conversations and we're both very focused now. Um, I'm, I am more recent than you as being a superintendent. So a superhero, even previous to this, but really focused on taking what we've learned into the world to be part of the solution. So what do you think is next for Keely? Yeah, that's a what does Keely want to be when she grows up? I guess that's, yeah. that's the question of the day. Right? This, new, this, um, well, this next chapter, you know, this, this yeah. new life that you have that you didn't choose, but now you have, yeah. and you've learned so much. Yeah. I think that it is really important for me, probably in my own healing and in, in my bounce back, we talked about the bounce back, back, my bounce back is to recognize that from this, something good has to happen. Like we, we have to do something with this and that, as I said, I'm not in a state of, of forgiveness or grace on this one, but the recognition that we there there are some some red flags, if you will, that bring to light 
you know, in both of our, both of our tragedies, right? Look at both of ours, look at Uvalde, look at Parkland, look, look at whatever, right? Um, we do know or can start to get a better handle on um, how it is. We do know what's so important, right? So think about it proactively. Like we do know what's so important about healthy child development and their ability to grow up feeling a sense of connectedness and belonging and the power of connectedness and belonging. And that's why I think on one, on one level for us with Cooper, it was so important that him and Luke could play sports again because it's their team and being a set, having that sense of I'm part of something bigger than just me. And I have others around me who care about me and are invested in me. And, um, I had the, I had the honor of talking with the state superintendents at their annual conference here in Illinois. And for me, one of the most important things is all of us as part of our villages is to think about in education, are we, are we sure that every child is connected to an adult? Maybe it's a classroom teacher. Maybe it's not. I mean, sometimes there's better, better levels of strength and connection in those relationships, but what do we know about who our children are in a very multi-dimensional way? Do they feel, we all know who the kids are that sit alone at lunch. We know who the kids are that don't have a friend on the playground. And how do we take that as serious as we take the academic health of our students and the growth of our students? How do we look at that and recognize we need to systematically find a way to operationalize the teaching of connectedness, the teaching of support systems so that we recognize that the school is a very important part of that village and maybe maybe that maybe a student isn't going to be very dialed in necessarily on deep connected friendships at school but do they belong to is it you know is it through through their faith-based community that they have a group mm -hmm. is it through um the public library and a book club like i mean i, I go on forever right like but how do we take very seriously the importance to this little one that we as schools are have a strong hand in raising is part of that village. We're partners with families. How do we systematize the monitoring of connectedness for children, making sure that they feel that they are loved, that they are valued, that they are supported? I think oftentimes children come, I mean, knock on wood, many children will come to school with strong family systems. Not all of them do. And what do we do to compensate for that and to help to spread this really important word that, you know, living is not a solo sport, right? This, the, the human experience is a team sport. And how do we make sure that everybody feels like they're part of a team? And can we recognize that that is so fundamentally critical Mm -hmm. to developing a society that is happy and healthy and safe and productive and that can we all step forward in in common ground and recognize that it it's at least as important as academic health for children can we at least recognize that our communities will be well served by ensuring that we have happy healthy future citizens you know the current citizens but future adults that'll be in our society that feel like, yes, this is this is my place in the world. I have a place in the world, a purpose, mm -hmm. and I belong. Because when that doesn't happen, things go sideways fast. 
and they do go sideways fast. And even in my, my interactions, cause I've, I have spoken to uh, school shooters and this is exactly what they say. If I had to boil all my conversations down to one thing, it would be being seen and, and exactly what you said, uh, feeling loved, being seen, being valued, um, the, the feeling that they, there was a, a void of support and that's on us. That's on the adults to do that. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And that's what we're talking about right here. A call out to individuals. You're listening, but make it go beyond you. Make the positive action today go beyond you to share this podcast and what you've learned about being a responsible villager. And let's all take our communities and our country back and create the legacy that we want to leave our children. We're responsible for leaving this world better than we found it. And it's possible. 100% possible. Yeah. 100%. I want to thank you so, so much for joining us, Keely. Thank you for having me. It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you let it in. Let 